WCLS in Whatcom County presents Library Stories, a podcast to open your eyes to all the ways your local public libraries matter. Join us as we reveal the power of sharing at the library. I'm your host, Neil McKay, Online Experience Coordinator for the Whatcom County Library System. And today, Neil McKay, I'm here with uh, my boss, Mary Vermillion. Hi, Neil. Hi, Mary. And right now it is uh, the week before Thanksgiving here in. Yeah, it's uh, clock is ticking. It's Monday, the 22nd of November, when Neil and I are chatting here via Zoom, as we do. Um, and so, I guess yeah. it's the, the week of Thanksgiving. The week of, yes. Yeah, Thank the you. week of. It's- Yeah. And I think, you know, those of us who are fortunate to, you know, have homes, to have family to support us or friends to support us, we're, you know, being reminded of the the need to be grateful for the things that we have. Um, And I think never more so than this past week when we had some flooding here in Whatcom County, Washington. Yeah, we were reminded that that we are, you know, we are a community. This entire county is a community that that. it suffers together and then pulls together to to recover. Yeah, and to me, it always you know I've lived in Whatcom County now for a little over thirty years, and um, I lived on the Lummi Reservation, the Lummi Peninsula, when we first moved here, and so that was in 1990-91 when there was a f- similar flooding event to the one we just experienced last week, and you know the people who live on the Lummi Peninsula were cut off at that time. We had to take a f- I can I'll never forget uh, the Whatcom Transportation Authority Transit Authority came out with a city bus strapped to the Whatcom Chief, and we had to take ride the bus strapped to the Chief into um, Squalicum Harbor, I think, and then I think they ended up taking us to Fairhaven. That's how we were able to get off the peninsula because the roads were all covered. It was basically an island, and it just remind. And that happened again this this year, right? This yes, this yes. week. Um, where Lummi Nation was was caught off from the rest of Whatcom County. And it also just reminds me of the power of the Nooksack River. And, um, you know, just to be aware of the of the awesomeness of that body of water and the impact that we've had as we've, you know, settled this area that has been the homelands of uh, the Nooksack and the Lummi people since time immemorial. Yeah. Nature will always remind us that we live within nature's guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it just, gosh, it just happened. So, I mean, we saw it coming, right, but it happened so quickly and it, the power again of that river to just dramatically change people's lives and in the mm-hmm. blink of an eye. And so um, I'm grateful always to work for the Whatcom County library system, but especially last week and, and you Neil deserve, um, you know, special thanks for how quickly you acted to get up a page of community resources for people, for neighbors who needed help just figuring out those basic questions like where do I turn for help and how you know what are the first things I should do if my house was impacted by the flood and for the rest of us who were watching who were fortunate maybe not to be directly impacted by the flood but wanted to help our neighbors you had resources up there too including the Whatcom Community Foundation's Resilience Fund so that we could donate to help out our neighbors in need or find ways to volunteer so thank you for quickly getting that page up and um, to our other team members who contributed and, you know, created graphic design for that and our staff members who helped share it and, and really get the word out on the street so people could find the help they needed. To make a pitch for this, this is, this is a, a web page of 
uh, searchable resources for people who need help with with shelter or food or um, cleanup, more more of the cleanup process now and the recovery process, um, links to government organizations for getting um, aid, uh, financial aid and other help. Um, and it's and it's really just one of several um, pages like that. I know that the the mayors of uh, Sumas and Everson and, and Nooksack put together a page as well um, called Whatcom Strong, and and it's linked on our site. I think our connections are linked on theirs. I think that they're you know we're all we're all pulling together and. Uh, yeah, that's what it that's what it takes. And it took doing that quickly, right? Because people right. need help right away. And so if someone needs to find that um list, you know, what's the easiest way for them to find it? The the easiest way you can go to our website, wcls.org, and there is a, a an image on the front page that says community resources, or you can go to wcls.org slash community dash resources and get there as well but go to the front page is the easiest way wcls.org yeah and i know people who are listening may have questions um obviously um our libraries are out um outside of the city limits of bellingham and so we serve mm -hmm. rural whatcom county with locations in some of the hardest hits area hardest hit areas in this recent flooding event so sumas everson um we can report that um all of our libraries uh, made it through the flood, um, except for Sumas, which is closed indefinitely. And we have a team of staff people who have, well, they went out last week trying to get to the library and it wasn't, uh, we couldn't access it last week, but there's a group of folks out here today, Monday, who are assessing both Everson, just kind of checking and making sure everything's okay in Everson. And then um, also out at the Sumas library, seeing what kind of damage was done to the collection and, and what we can do. And we, we're very fortunate we have insurance and, um, you know, but we need to assess what's what's going on at, at the SUMAS library and what our next steps are to keep library services going. Um, and of course, everything's still available online. I mean, so, you know, if it, the SUMAS library will be closed, but um, the actual physical library, but WCLS.org and all the digital resources and uh, resources like Neil's community list that he just talked about, all that is still there, of course. And we're just thinking through options quickly of how we can, you know, get other services out there. Maybe we bring the bookmobile out to SUMAS, you know, so um, we're working with all the partners out there in the SUMAS community and elsewhere to, to find solutions and, and to help as we can. Yeah. So yes, our, our hearts certainly go out to everybody who was, who's been affected by this flood. And, Absolutely. Um, we're still out here reaching out to, to everybody in, in whatever ways we can to help. Yeah. And, you know, we did that. Um, not that I want to compare the situations, but you know, during the pandemic, when the buildings, when the library buildings had to close, we, we found a way then too. you know, it's just kind of like, okay, well then how do we keep library services going for people? And I think um, just because you shared it with me already, I know that you had a conversation with our president of our board of trustees about how the library responds to crisis, like the pandemic. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and I do want to say um, that the, the community resources page that we've created um, was a direct result of the board of trustees asking if we could do something like that. Right. Um, and, and they asked on 
Tuesday. Yep. During the board of trustees meeting. Yeah. Lori jump was the first one to mention our trustee Lori jump. And so thank you, Lori, for the inspiration. And yeah. And, yeah. and we, you know, we jumped right on it and um, made it happen. And it was certainly a, you know, a group effort, but, but it was, it was the um, board of trustees that initiated it. And we had planned to broadcast a interview with our board president, Marv Waski. Yeah. So that's what we're going to get into today. A uh, fun interview. I love talking with Marv. He's Oh gosh. Yeah. He is a fascinating person. He's a Renaissance man in many he ways. He really yeah. is. Yeah. You'll, you'll hear some about that today. And then as well, we're going to talk to one of our staff members, uh, Sarah Miller. Yes. Sarah does the ILL, which is a three-letter acronym. Um, <laughs> Your favorite. Interlibrary loan. Mm-hmm. When people can't find their books in our library, we have a form they can fill out on our website, wcls.org slash can't find it. Uh, Sarah gets those uh, requests and, and looks all over the country, all over the world for the books that we don't actually have in our collection. And she can generally borrow them from a li- another library to uh, make available to our patrons. Yeah. And I think Sarah's job as a ILL and circulation specialist, she's helped me in a pinch a handful of times, including um, I think what led to this interview with her, right? I was researching yeah. something for Whatcom Reads. I was looking for a book that yeah, well, don't give it away. Oh, okay. The I was whole looking for story, <laughs> Sarah tells. So, um, but Sarah helped me out, and, and it just was so fascinating to sort of to understand how she does her work and how she's connected with this just web of libraries around the world to, that can bring materials here to us in Whatcom County. And she's a great interview. Yeah, it's going to be a full show, and again, you know, our hearts are with everyone who's who's been affected by the flood. Yeah, absolutely. We're thinking of all of our neighbors who are affected by the flood and some of our staff members who've been affected by the flood. Mm-hmm. We're you know, thinking of the library staff out in Sumas who are doing their best to, to get that library back open and to determine the best way forward there. And mostly I know Neil, you'll join me in saying that we are just so fortunate and so grateful to be living in a community where people come together to help one another. And and we really saw that in this last week. And I'm looking forward to hearing the other stories that you gathered that um, are from the amazing people we work with and who are our neighbors here in Whatcom County. So thanks. I can't yeah. wait to hear the show. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do it. Maybe you've had this problem. You're listening to a podcast where a guest is recommending a book that sounds fascinating. What do you do? You go to the library website or pop in your local branch and look it up but you can't find it. That's when you need a literary detective. Interlibrary loan specialist Sarah Miller is that detective, and I have her here with me. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Neil. So what should I do if I can't find a book in the in the WCLS catalog? Yeah, if you can't find a book in the WCLS catalog, you would go to our website and place a can't find it request with our can't find it form. You would fill out the form. You would say what kind of item you are hoping to get. Maybe it's a book or a movie or a CD. You'd give us some information um, regarding the title, the author, maybe a source from where you found it. 
and then um, go ahead and submit your request and then it gets sent to us to review. So how much that must cost a lot of money for a patron. <laughs> no, totally free, totally free. Just part of your uh, library card service. And we will help you with up to 20 requests per month. 20 requests. Wow, you're, you're answering the questions that oh. I haven't asked yet. <laughs> um, and you said, and so it's not just for books, though. If That's I, right. If uh, I had a, a movie that yep. I wanted? We'll, we'll get movies, we'll get CDs, we'll get audiobooks. Um, Sometimes we might just get a different format of a book. So maybe someone needs a large print uh -huh. version of a book or um, maybe a Spanish version of a book. We'll oh. get that. Um, we'll also do scans of pages from magazines and journals and articles, uh, scans of maps and genealogy information, uh, Wow. All kinds of things. Yeah. That's even more than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of options out there. Yeah. I just used the interlibrary loan system or ILL yeah. as it's called here in the library where we use three letter acronyms all <laughs> the time. So many. <laughs> so many. But I, I ordered a book that uh, Nancy Pearl had recommended in a previous podcast. Oh, cool. And I was amazed how quick it it got to me Yay. I mean, you did a great job um but it was an old book it was from 1997 okay <laughs> so do you get a lot of requests for books that are are really old like that yeah for sure and i mean even way way older than that um so a problem that sometimes we'll run into is a library has the book but it might be so old that it's so fragile that they can't lend it uh -huh. um and then especially if it's something that's pretty rare they don't want to you know risk damaging like maybe the one copy of that book that's left. Um, so in those cases, a lot of times we'll do like page scans and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we, I would say, especially older items are the things that we do a lot of requests for because those are the things that they may be out of print and we're not able to buy um, or there just aren't any other copies out there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because we can't, we can't keep all of the books that we've ever had in exactly the exactly it could be a case where we had it at one time um but we just sort of had to purge it to make way for new things right. and then uh interlibrary loan kind of comes in and fills the gap there a little bit yeah okay well i want to i want to talk about a request that you recently um procured yeah I guess that's a good word featured in the whatcom reads facebook page yeah um can you tell me what, what that was about there? Yeah, so um, that was a request from uh, Mary Vermillion. I hope that's okay to say. Yeah, um. she's, she's, she's my boss. <laughs> yeah. And, she, <laughs> and she's, um, she is the community, uh, community relations director, and she helps uh, run the Whatcom Reads program, which is, of course, the entire county reading one book and talking about it and having author visits. That's right. So the Whatcom Reads title this year is Greenwood by Michael Christie. Mm -hmm. um, and in the book, uh, Michael Christie references a book called um, The Soul of a Tree by George uh, Nakashima. Um, and Mary was hoping to read that book. So it was one that we don't own in our catalog because it's a little bit older. Um, and so she put in an interlibrary loan request for it. And we were able to get it from uh, Pacific Lutheran University. Oh. Um, and we got it sent over here pretty quickly. And then she was able to um, read it. <laughs> 
Well, that's nice that you got it from somewhere fairly close. Fairly close. Yeah, how, that was kind of lucky, that one. Yeah. Like, like how far away have you gotten books from? Yeah, so we'll usually start with libraries nearby and see if we can get it somewhere, preferably like Washington, Oregon, Idaho. Mm -hmm. um, but if nowhere nearby has it, then we will go farther mm -hmm. out into the country. Um, we might get books internationally as a last resort. So we'll sometimes borrow from Canada. Uh, Denmark is pretty common. Uh, New Zealand and Australia are pretty common as well. Wow. Yeah. So sometimes they can come from over the ocean pretty far away. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, okay. Well, Sarah, let me ask you a couple of questions about your own reading sure. preferences. <laughs> <laughs> because I like to ask all of my guests a few questions to get a few reading recommendations. But the way that I do it is um, it's a little game called the lightning round. Okay. Don't yeah. let that scare you. <laughs> I'm just going to ask you to think of just, it doesn't have to be your favorite book okay. or the best book ever. Just the, the book that comes to mind when you think of a funny book. Okay. Does it have to be a book? Do, no, no. Okay. I, <laughs> I, I watch a lot of movies um, okay. through our streaming service, Canopy. Um, so I feel like, I don't know. I, I love to read as well, but. Um, I don't well, we know. don't get many people. I love <laughs> Canopy as well. Yeah. Canopy gives you. Uh, 10 free movies and they're they're good first run movies they're quality movies um they're great documentaries there mm -hmm. and and there's um also a whole kids section that doesn't have the 10 movie restriction so you can watch as many kids movies as you want free from the library so if it's okay, I might do a little mix and match between books and movies. That's, um, that'd be great. Okay, yeah. A, mo a funny movie, um, the first one that comes to mind um, is uh, called What We Do in the Shadows, um, which is a mockumentary by the director Taika Waititi, um, who has gone on to make like Thor Ragnarok and some of the Marvel films. Um, and it's just a movie about... Uh, three vampires who are uh, roommates and kind of just the ins and outs of their life. And it's very funny, um, but maybe kind of a good watch for this time of year as yeah. well, since it's a um, little, little spooky, but not too scary. Okay. Yeah. Mostly That's, funny. <laughs> I, I've heard a lot of people recommend that yeah, movie. It's and a I, good one. I hadn't watched it yet, but yeah. I think this is the season to, <laughs> to watch that. Um, well, and then my next category is usually a scary movie. Scary, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, or, or book. Or book. I might, I might actually go back to book for this one. Okay. Um, the book I'm reading right now um, is one that's been pretty scary. It's called uh, Dracul by uh, Dacre Stoker, who's the great grandnephew of Bram Stoker, who wow. wrote Dracula. Who wrote Dracula. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of about um, Bram Stoker's. Uh, kind of origin story, his childhood, and also about how Dracula came to be written. Um, a lot of the book is pulled from Bram Stoker's diary entries and letters. So there's kind of a lot of blurring of the lines between, you know, what's real and what's not real and you don't really know. Um, mm. So it's been, it's, it's a little scary to read uh, <laughs> just because you're not sure where the, you know, division between like fact and fiction always is. So yeah, yeah it's right. really good. So that's Dracul? Dracul, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, how about an audiobook with a narration, with a good narration? Oh, I would have to go with um, our most recent uh, e-read of the month was uh, The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. Um, and John Green reads it himself. Okay. And it is just, it's truly lovely. Um, he... Um, just hearing kind of his voice crack when, you know, he's reading something that's maybe a little bit more emotional, um, hearing him maybe like sing a song. If there's a song in one of the essays, um, it's just really, really beautiful, very human, very optimistic stories. And to have um, the author actually reading those and especially one who feels so in touch with um, his feelings is just really, really nice. And uh, yeah, that's one that moved me a lot, just kind of hearing him read that. That's great. And John Green, of course, is the author. Of yeah, uh, mostly known for his teen novels. So like The Fault in Our Stars, mm -hmm. Looking for Alaska, um, An Abundance of Catherines. This is his first, uh, I believe, first book for adults. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, and certainly his first piece of nonfiction. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And the last thing I usually ask is for a hopeful book. Oh, a hopeful book. Yeah. I finished this, this last summer, I read um, A Room with a View, um, the classic oh. uh, book. And that's one that I found really hopeful. Um, just very beautiful. Uh, E.M. Forrester oh. is the author. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's just, it's, it's very, it's a very like moving story. Um, I don't know, just has a lot of nice things to say about um, togetherness and kind of finding yourself um, and had a lot of beautiful landscapes. So I just found it to be very like transportive and very optimistic. And okay. yeah, that sounds great. Okay. Well, that's, that's great. I've got four new recommendations <laughs> and we've had a great talk here. Thank you, Sarah Miller. Yeah, of course. And we'll uh, move on to the next thing. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. Yeah. We're here with our special guest today, Marvin Waski. Marv is the uh, president of the Board of Trustees for the Whatcom County Library System. Yeah, I've been on the board for, I think, four years now, maybe five. And I've been the president for, I think, the last three years. So okay. I've been around a little bit on You've the, on the library board. And besides that... Marv is a um, a user, a patron of the Whatcom County Library System. Marv, when did you get your library card? I got, well, let me start off. We're sitting in the Administrative Services Building. Yes. Which is roughly on the corner of Northwest and, and Smith. That's right. And I grew up about a mile from here on Waskey Road. Huh. What a coincidence. Well, it was my grandfather's driveway, so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but anyway, I went, to, I went to North Bellingham Elementary, which is, I don't know what they call it now. They're not using it as an elementary school anymore. They're not. It's, I think it has uh, preschool going on. Could be. It's, it's had a lot of uses. But yeah, it's that school on the corner of Northwest and Smith. Yep. Well, I started... Um, the first grade in 1955 at North Bellingham Elementary. Mm -hmm. And in those days, the Whatcom County Library, as far as I know, was just the bookmobile. And it actually was parked in a garage 
in the Bellingham Public Library. So, so you've been around longer than Whatcom County Library System has had buildings. I guess that's right. Um, gee, I'm feeling old. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they used to park the they'd park the bookmobile in front of North Bellingham Elementary. Mm-hmm. And when I was in the first grade, Mrs. Brown, my first grade teacher, took us out to the bookmobile, and we all applied for library cards. And we got to choose a book to check out. And I chose a book that had yellow ducks in it. And I brought it home and I really didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was kind of overwhelmed by the situation. I just took whatever. I I think I just grabbed the first book I saw. Of course. You don't know how to use the library until you've been there, especially the bookmobile. Right. So anyway, that was my first experience with libraries, checking out a book with yellow ducks that I didn't like. Um, In those days, my dad had a um, produce route. He'd he'd take potatoes and eggs and whatever else we happened to have at the time into uh, Bellingham and sell whatever he had to a string of small grocery stores that he would go around to. Really? And... Going into Bellingham was also an occasion for my mom to go to the Bellingham Public Library. I'm not sure how old I was when I started really getting books from the library, from, from Bellingham. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm going to guess it was I was about eight, a couple of years after my bad experience with those yellow ducks. Well, sure. You, you don't forget the yellow ducks. No, not, you don't. No. I mean, we, <laughs> we've <laughs> taken that book out of the circulation now. I, I based, hope so. Based on your review yeah. when you were five. <laughs> what mom would do is check out a bunch of books, and then um, she would read to us in the evening. And that's really where I got got started with, with reading for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Books from the library that, that my mom read. And it was a whole family affair. My, my sister and, and dad and, and mom and I, we would, we'd sit around... Um, the dining room table, actually, and mom would read to us. Ah, are there any books that stick out in your mind as, as ones yes. you liked? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, My Friend Flicka. Ah, yes. I think Mary Reinhardt's maybe was the author. I think it, I think the book is still around. I, As a matter of fact, I know I've got a copy of it. I've got the copy of it on my shelf at home. Your original from when you were a child. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I haven't reread it. Um, boy. Probably since mom read it to us, but huh. you still have the book. I wonder if it would hold up in your in your memory. You know, I'm going to have to try that yeah. one of these days. Yeah. That's what, that, that would be a good idea. Anyway, I um, developed this habit of reading for pleasure. I remember um, getting, a, getting a stack of books out from the library and taking them up into the haymow. Into the what? Into the haymow, where, where we stacked the bales of hay for the cows. Oh, haymow? Yeah, hey, Mao, M O W. I'm a city boy from Seattle, so uh-huh. you, you gotta you gotta explain things to me sometimes. Okay, well, one of my jobs on the farm was to carry buckets of milk from the cow barn where where the milking was going on into the milk house, and. That was kind of, you know, you'd sit around for a while and then you'd work and then you'd sit around for a while. And so I had my books up in the up in the haymow. And I got in so much trouble so often 
because I wasn't there on time to carry the milk. No, because you the got milk house. lost in your reading. Lost in my reading. Wow. So, um, that's funny. <laughs> so let's let's jump ahead to okay. my my next experience with with libraries, mm-hmm. and that was when I was a, a college student. On um, I went from I went from Ferndale High School to the south side of Chicago, to the University of Chicago. Stayed in Chicago through the throughout the year through the summer. Yeah. Okay. And if you know Chicago, it's Chicago in the summer is one hot place. That's I've heard that. I've never never oh. spent any time to speak of in Chicago. I do. I, I used to remember ninety degrees and ninety percent. <laughs> humidity humidity yes. okay in those days that was in the in the late 60s early 70s the only air-conditioned building on the campus was a library in the summers I, I basically lived in the library yeah. and um, I was already pretty much in the library habit but then then that kind of got me used to academic libraries well, it kind of drives that point that the library is more than just a bunch of books, right? It's serving the community with air conditioning. Yes. Which which was relevant this last summer, if I recall. We were we were promoting that our libraries were cooling cooling destinations that you could You go. know, you're you're right. I remember that now. Yeah. It hasn't changed since you were in college. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of relevant because um what's his name? Klinkenberg. Um, he wrote a book recently, last three or four years, um, called Palaces for the People. Yes. Which is a book about libraries. And one of the things he pointed out was that he was from the University of Chicago, by the way. Oh. And um, one of the things he pointed out was that in areas on the south side of Chicago where they had an active library system, mm-hmm. People survived the heat much better because not only were the were the libraries um, cooling stations, there were also places where sort of neutral ground where people can get together from you know whether they're whether they're a university professor or some guy in a gang in Woodlawn, um, they could get together at the library and just kind of take care of each other. You know, you know who these people are and, you know, yeah, they may not be my kind of people, but yet they are because I know them at the library. Mm. And it turns out that that kind of social cohesion is extremely important when you put a society or a group, a community under a stress like a heat wave or um, in, in Chicago, the winters are also brutal. And so... People just don't end up frozen in some in some abandoned apartment building because people know them. And one of the ways that they know them is through institutions like the library. Mm-hmm. Getting back to me as a student in Chicago, um, I started working in the library. Oh. Um, I worked part time, you know, just student stuff, things we page kind of things that, that people mm-hmm. do now. Um, but I started out as a mathematics major, but I switched to Chinese history. And for Chinese history, I had to learn Chinese, of course, and how to read Chinese characters, sure. which immediately 
put me in a premium position for working in the Far Eastern Library because um, they couldn't use people who couldn't recognize characters. Sure. Um, you know, Chinese books are, are um, classified and shelved under much different rules than um, the Dewey Decimal System or the Library of Congress system that, that are used in, in Western libraries. Well, that makes and, sense. And so you have to know a whole bunch of stuff in order to do that. So I ended up in the Far Eastern Library. So that's the Far Eastern branch of the of the University, University of, of Chicago, Chicago Library. Library. It all kind of fits together of the sense that that um, libraries are the place where where people are civil, where people learn things, where cultures are preserved, and. You know, for me, that's really important. It goes back, I think, to me living on Wasky Road, which was the driveway to my grandfather's homestead. This may seem pretty amorphous, but having a place in the community that I have real ties to is very important to me. And it's also, I extend it beyond that. I feel like I have a place in the, the, a place in the world I've studied Chinese. I, I've been a, a, a computer programmer and designer, and mm -hmm. um, my title used to be uh, senior principal software architect. And you know, I went all over the world um, designing and building computer systems. And the library for me kind of embodies that sense that we're all in this together. I worked for a while at Western Washington University's library. I was sort of the technical manager of the education library there for a okay. year or two. What years What years were those? Oh, that was about 1975, maybe. 75, okay. I know how libraries work. I know how they work both internally and externally. When I went into um, computer programming, that was it. I was, I, was, I was a computer programmer and a designer and builder and all of those things. And I, I really got really involved in that. But then about, I guess it's 10 years ago now, I had an opportunity to get myself laid off. <laughs> Which <laughs> Now, can you clarify what exactly that meant? Well, if you, if you um, know anything about the tech industry now, retirement isn't a thing. There are no pensions. There's no, there's no gold watch. If you decide that you want to retire, it's like, you know, don't let the door slam you when you're, when you're leaving. Right. But if you get laid off, there are things like um, severance plans. Uh. And it turned out that the company that I was working for was was undergoing a, a decline. Let's put it, put it that way. So they were laying people off. And I talked to my boss, who was the um, CTO, the uh, chief technical officer of, uh -huh. the, of the company. And I said, you know, the way they do these layoffs usually is you've got a certain number of dollars you have to cut from your budget. And I said, you know, if you want to if you want to cut a big chunk out without laying off a lot of people, why don't you lay me off? <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, kind of scratched his head and he says, you know, you got an idea there. 
And so I got laid off. Um, at that time, I was mostly writing anyway. I was, I've, I've written three books on, on computer architecture. And um, so I just kept writing. I just retired and we're on Wosky Road and I just was there and, and writing books. And really having a great time. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds like the dream. It, it, it was because I discovered that long that I had wanted to be a writer for for many, many years uh, from way back from maybe those stupid yellow ducks. I don't know. <laughs> I can do better than that. Um, anyway. Um, so I, I, I was writing and um, I happened to notice that the library system was looking for, for a new trustee. And I thought to myself, you know, I might just be able to help. Because I'd been, you know, I'd been running large teams and, and um, you know, working, um, you know, basically a, a middle manager, lower level executive kind of, kind uh -huh. of position. And I thought, well, you know, libraries are computerized now. I know computers. Maybe I can help. Frankly, I kind of wanted to get out a little more anyway. Sure. So um, Christine Perkins, the, the current executive director, mm -hmm. and a couple of the trustees of that time interviewed me. And lo and behold, they asked me to join the board. It has been, I have to say, one of the most gratifying experiences that I've had. I get a chance to move the discussion along mm -hmm. and bring, th bring things up and really feel like I'm contributing to this thing of libraries that I have, that I have loved for so long. Well, you know, I've listened to your podcast. You, you've, yeah. you've said many times what a, what a, a wonderful organization Whatcom County Library System is. And I can tell you from my point of view, I have seen a lot of organizations. I've seen organizations that were firing all on all cylinders, and I've seen organizations that were under consent decrees and having the officers sent to jail. WCLS is one of the finest organizations I have ever seen. We're here to serve. We're here to help our communities. And what impresses me so much is the entire system. It seems I never talk to anyone who in the, in this organization that isn't there to help to help our patrons to make their to make their lives better. When you have an organization that's like that, it does something for you. It does something for your community, and it also does something for you. Because you can you can go to sleep at night and say to yourself, I helped somebody today. And so it's just, you know, it's well, for me, being on the board has been been one of the best experiences of my life. Well, let me ask you, so because I'm interested in your perspective as a board trustee, um, how do you feel our library system has handled the, the COVID crisis. How do you, when you look back at, at the steps we took and the response we got, how do you feel we did? I think we did very, very, very well. Um, 
you know, you have some responsibility for the, the excellence of a response. What I saw happening when the library doors closed was this organization, this community, this, this community of people who work here said, what can we do? They didn't say, oh, no, the sky is falling. They said, what can we do? And so all of a sudden, we started having online story times. Mm -hmm. We have online programs. The videos were being made. All of these things, we were trying to take advantage of the, the resources that we did have to, to carry out our role as a community builder. Um, we had the, um, you know, the, uh, the curbside pickup, which is still a good idea. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that stuff went into place and we went into place. I was amazed at how fast everything happened in, in software. You, two years is not a, not a long, long buildup for building up a product and rolling it out. And we were well, doing things in two weeks. I, even in the libraries, my experience with the library system is that, you know, there's a lot of planning involved before everything, you know, anything takes place. There's a lot of planning, a lot of committees and meetings and things. And in this period of time, we just couldn't afford that. We mm -hmm. just had to act. And we acted very well. I, I, you know, I can't think of anything that was done that I would have called called a, a, a flop that it would be it would have been better if we hadn't done it right now as far as i'm concerned our greatest challenge is to get people back into the libraries mm. we're sitting here wearing masks mm. and masks are not pleasant let's let's be be honest about that there's something that we have to do in order to in order to to keep ourselves healthy to keep our community healthy but they're not pleasant and I find myself saying, well, do I really want to go out or shall I just stay home so I don't have to put on this silly mask? Sure. And we've got to overcome that. We've got to get out there and and be be together as a community. If anybody is hearing this and says, you know, I don't know whether I want to go back to the library. Go back to the library. <laughs> Think about how much pleasure you got from being there, from browsing the books, from being among people who have similar interests to you and people who don't have similar interests to you, but people who are there just to, to, to you know, absorb their culture. And, you know, when I say culture, I don't mean the Greek classics. <laughs> Although I certainly include those, but I mean, you know, check out a book for tuning your Harley. Yeah. Yeah. You know, find out how to pour concrete. You can do that at the library. That's right. The whole thing is though, that what you're doing when you do those things is you're communicating with other people. When you read about adjusting the gas jets on your, the jets on your carburetor, what you're really doing is talking with someone who's already done it, who designed that system. That's what it's all about. It's us getting together through the, through the, the resources that we have. It's making connections. Making connections. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
Well, one of the things, I mean, you're talking about culture, um, lowercase c culture, I think. Um, I call that capital C culture. <laughs> capital C culture. <laughs> I'm thinking about, you know, your, your life here in Ferndale and the, you know, Ferndale has its own culture for sure, as does uh, Everson or Blaine or Lummy Island or Point Roberts. They're similar in a lot of ways, being that Northwest communities and and the influence of, of it, the surroundings. But they're each unique. Absolutely. And the libraries are, are sitting in the center of of the community. And that's the place where you can you can learn culture. You can learn about Ferndale culture. You can go into the Ferndale library and look up Ferndale history mm-hmm. You can go into Point Roberts library and read all of the Icelandic fishermen stories from, you know, that that's that are unique to that area. So the the culture that makes your community is documented in those libraries. Very true. Very true. And just to clarify, the libraries are open now. You can go yes. and soak up the culture. They are open. And um, we should all be going there. We, sh- we should be going there and, and saying hello to our librarians and our neighbors. Because that's who's there. Indeed. We, <laughs> we've gone a long journey here on this conversation. Um, which always seems to happen when I sit down and talk with you. But uh, I do want to get back to some books. Speaking of books and selling books, one of the projects that you're involved in involves the Friends of the, of the Libraries. So the Friends of the Libraries um, are volunteer groups who fundraise to support each of each of our libraries. So there's a Friends of Ferndale Library, mm-hmm. a Friends of Blaine, a Friends of Linden, etc. But you've you've managed to find a way to to bring them all together. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Well, um, when the pandemic clamped down, I said to myself, um, "What are the friends going to do?" You know, I I know the Ferndale friends pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I know that they get a, they got a great deal of pleasure out of sorting books and getting them ready for their for their uh, bookstore. Um, they which, used to, which is in the Ferndale which is library. in the Ferndale most library. Of, most yes. of the libraries, if not all of them, have a space where the friends sell books. Right, and that's a big big money raiser. It is. Um, I, I couldn't tell you the the amounts right now, but um, I know that the Ferndale the Ferndale friends they make quite a bit of money off the. It's a major contribu- um, contribution to the Ferndale budget and the whole library system budget that they do in their grants. So they're raising a bunch of money, and then they are they're granting it out to. The yeah, libraries. they they do two things with it. One, they have an endowment where they're they're building up a. a, a an amount of money that they're going to use the interest on to to support things, and they're also directly granting to the to the um, to the library system and through the foundation. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, I I said to myself, well, what can we do? They can't go in the library anymore. Um, they for for the duration of the of the pandemic, and at the same time, 
everybody and his brother now is selling something on the uh, online. Mm-hmm. So why don't we see if we can set up something to to sell some of these these books that the friends have collected, the used books that they've collected online. And so I recruited my grandson, Christopher, who is at least as much of a technologist as I am, and maybe more. I don't know. He's astounding. <laughs> and how, how old is he? Remind me. Uh, he is 19 now. 19. Um, so and re- recent graduate of Ferndale? No, actually, he was homeschooled and he went to the Alger Academy. Okay. Um, but um, he... Um, we looked into it and decided that um, uh, one of the platforms, uh, I won't name it, um, would work. And so we, we got together with some of the friends and figured out a way to make it work um, to have an online bookstore, online use books. And we coordinate with the, um, with the library system so that um, we don't have to charge any shipping. Because we just put the books on the like curbside pickup, the books that people buy, wait for them at the at the branches. And I don't know, if you buy used books online, you probably know you often pay as much for shipping as you do for the book itself. Sure. It's a great deal on the used book, but then there's $5 or $10 shipping depending on where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here, with this idea... You're serving local clientele with local books, and they're all available at the library. Mm-hmm. I would say that the online bookstore has been a moderate success. It's not a crashing success, but it's not a, not a failure by any means either. So we're selling books. There's a link to the store on the, on the WCLS website, um, and people are buying books that way every day. That's great. And and just all sorts of books, just like in the Friends bookstores or the Friends book sales, um, anything you can think of. Yep. Nero Wolf Mysteries to... No, I get them all. Oh, you, you <laughs> pull them all before anyone <laughs> sees them. <laughs> I do want to ask you for some book recommendations if you're up for that. Sure. I've been doing a little thing you may know if you've been listening to the Mm -hmm. podcast called The Lightning Round. Um, And I'm going to ask you just a few uh, for a few books. Just don't think too hard about them. We're just looking for some ideas here. So if I say, um, tell me about a funny book you liked. Anything by Carl Hyacin. All right. How about a scary book? Oh. Just something that really scared you or... About a week ago, I read, reread Cool Million by Nathaniel West. Now, Nathaniel West was a writer from the, from the 50s, I think, okay. uh, who wrote some of the most biting satire. And the book Cool Million, which was written you know, decades ago, many decades ago, was such a recount of the last five years of this country that just knocked me over, scared me because somebody knew this was going to (laughs) happen. Well, that's, that's intriguing. All right. What is that called again? Cool Cool Million. Cool Million. By Nathaniel West. 
All right. And I always like to ask somewhat people for a hopeful book, something to give us a little hope in these, these trying times of ours. Oh. Doesn't even, doesn't have to be fiction. In fact, it doesn't even have to be a book. The last interview I had, I interviewed Sarah Miller and she, she wanted to talk about a movie that she saw on Canopy, which is our streaming movie mm -hmm. service. You know, I'd like to go back to a book that I mentioned earlier in our conversation. Okay. And that is Palaces for the People by Klinkenborg. Um, you know, in our disunited times, I think his vision of the role of the library is um, as hopeful as you can get. Well, that's great. That's that's ties right in with our whole theme here <laughs> is the hopefulness. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of part of why why I wanted to interview you as someone who's who's volunteering for the, uh, you know, for the library system. You're volunteering for your community. Um, you know, you have to have a sense of hope to be able to do this at all, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me say that the library system itself gives me a sense of hope. Tell me a little about that. Why does why does the library give you a sense of hope? Because there are so many good people involved. And that goes from the staff to our customers to the library users. There are just so many good people involved. And for me, that's the most hopeful thing that there is, is good people. Thank you, Marv, for sitting down to this interview, but also for just being a part, being a leader in the library. Well, thank you. Well, that's our show. I'd like to thank my guests, Sarah Miller and Marv Waski for spending some quality time with us. And as always, thanks to Mary Vermillion for going with the flow. Eventually, all things merge into one, and a river runs through it. If you're enjoying Library Stories, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And I'd like to take a moment to once again recognize that our communities in Whatcom County have been hit hard by the recent flooding. And as we rebuild and repair, please know that the Whatcom County Library System stands with all of you. Until next time, this is Neil McKay saying thanks for listening. <laughs>